Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena, from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. We are almost through September. It's September 25th. And I must say, the crispness in the air. But wow, the projections for the weather that are, is coming up next week. It's unbelievable. So we can be inspired. I must admit that this morning when I woke up, that yeah, it's a little bit dark when I get up in the morning. But the ride down here was absolutely beautiful. And I did do a little bit of a back look in my rear view mirror to see if anyone was behind me. Because I think my speed slowed down a little so I can enjoy the beautiful color palette that is around. And as I left the house today, I have some sunflowers that are just still looking beautiful. And it just reminded me, yes, I have a beautiful poem called A Sunflower Siliquay. So please listen. Your golden heads like spirals as you stretch up to the sky, delighting with your sunny faces reaching up on high. I feel a glow within my heart as sun does first arise, bathing earth in magic hues of gold to greet my eyes. I stand here kissed by morning's light and feel the inner ease. The grass is softly dancing with a wisp of gentle breeze. Delighted, I begin to dance with music in my soul, the colored glow of sunflowers bright. Such a beauty to behold. The days begin to brighten as you idly turn my way, showing all your sunny faces, begging me to play. I turn, I spin a little bit, enchanted by the scene, refreshed by morning's glory and the fresh, sweet flush of green. I marvel at the spirals you display within your seed, a matrix of geometry, a wondrous way to breed. Van Gogh has captured by your form and painted you with love in worship of the loving who dwelt on high above. If I could be an artist, even for a single day, I'd love to paint your beauty in the most poetic way. But as I stand alone right here, with not a soul around, I bless your brilliant color and the absent of all sound. It is going to be a busy morning. I can feel it. So we're going to write to the lines. Eleanor is waiting. Good morning, Eleanor. Good morning. Good morning. How can we help you on the Lawn and Garden uh, Journal? I have a question about morning glories. Okay. Uh, a friend gave me uh, two very healthy plants, which I transplanted into, uh, she, like she grew them, and I transplanted them into my spot. They have grown really tall and bright and good and healthy, but I haven't had any blossoms on them. Um, is it is that n- natural that they should not have blossoms, or uh, I'm looking for suggestions, and will they overwinter if I cover them up, take them, pull them down and cover them up? Yeah, unfortunately, morning glories in our, in our uh, growing zone are annuals. But okay. sometimes, um, sometimes people have been able to get them grow again if 
they had blossomed and created a seed and then dropped back to the ground. Okay. So there are certain aspects is maybe the maturity of when it was transplanted or planted. Um, soil can play a huge factor in plants not being having the capacity to blossom. If we find that uh, sometimes if we're too rich in soil, and it's hard to say that, you know, my soil is rich, but if we add manures or we're too heavy in nitrogen, it has a tendency to create tons of beautiful foliage, but it sort of gives the other uh, capacity of it to sort of say, okay, we're not blooming because we're growing still big and lush. So try, if you're fertilizing, um, try to cut back on the high nitrogen aspect of it. Try pushing it with maybe a 15-30-15 fertilizer. 1530, um, I'm sorry. 1530, 15. 1530, 15. 15, okay. Yeah, yeah. And also, too, sunlight plays a huge factor. So, well, this um, is full sun. Full sun. So, okay, so we know that it's not the full sun that's in there. Uh, overwatering, sometimes I know uh, morning glor- glories. Believe it or not, morning glories are those one plants that uh, they're almost like a... To me, they're almost like my grandmother used to have morning glories. And then it's one of those old-fashioned pairs beautifully with the geraniums on there. They almost bloom beautifully with neglect because there's okay. some plants that just if you leave them alone and you don't baby them, mm-hmm. they do wonderful. Well, maybe that's my problem. I want it every day. <laughs> you know, we... Yeah, cut back on the watering. You know, next year, um, mm-hmm. overwatering could definitely cause some blossom failure. You would see that it would abort the blossom. Mm-hmm. But but even honestly, this year, we had some reports of some things that weren't blooming. Um, you know, zucchini, squash, cucumbers. They were just aborting and not creating that blossom to get pollinated mm-hmm. to, to either fruit or bloom. So that is another factor that we have to put in sort of the scope of things. Okay. Okay. So, A, I would not give up. I would, if you love morning glories, uh, see if there's another gift of a plant that you get. But otherwise, there are a huge color palette of morning glories that are out there. Okay. I have it on the east side of my house uh, is to get the mor- uh, the morning sun. Yeah. Uh, is that uh, the best position for it or should I be moving to another spot? I personally would say because the morning sun, and that brings a whole different realm of planting that's in it because in the sort of the landscape side when we're talking about how much sun a plant gets, we have to remember that the early morning sun is the warmest sun. It's not that intense. Now, when we hit the east side and you're still getting uh, sunlight around 11 o'clock, that can still be a hot sun, but it's that slow start warm-up that gets it to that portion of it. I would probably say, next time you do it, go to the west. Go to the west. Okay. Go go west, young lady. Go west. <laughs> I'll try that then. Thank okay. you very much for your help. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. Okay. Enjoy the day. You too. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. We're going to go right to the lines. Jacob is waiting. Good morning, Jacob. I was just going to compliment you on driving slow because we should all reduce our speed so that we save the environment. Oh, thank you. You know, sometimes um, when you... I agree. Like, some days we just have to slow down a bit. And 
gardening does that. It makes you, well, mind you, gardening doesn't do that because it makes you want to uh, be active and do different things. But there's a pace that you can do your uh, your things in. And sometimes I agree, slowing down a little bit is totally worth it because you see many things when you slow down. You Even in the garden, when you slow down, you see that crisp new color of that blossom that's opening. You see the ants gathering at the bottom of the plants. You see the bees. And it's kind of like that nature. You know what? You, Yeah. I just had a, a portion of it where I had my granddaughter, um, my youngest granddaughter with me, and just slowing down with her and sitting on some of the sidewalk blocks. It's amazing what a younger person that's at a slower speed will pick up and see and say, hey, yeah, yeah, look at this. And it, it is a wondrous thing to slow down. And I agree. Everyone... If you could go for a walk in your envir- in your location, your backyard, around your community, there is beauty in the trees right now and the color palettes. Would you not agree, Jacob, that it's a beautiful, beautiful color out there right now? Well, we are. It is. Well, thank you very much for calling us in, and thank you for that compliment. And you have a great winter. You too. Hey, it's not winter yet, so keep on listening. We're I we know, got lots but to talk I'm about. Extending my wishes. <laughs> oh well, thank you, and you too. You enjoy it, okay, Jacob? Bye bye. You know it is because the beauty of what is out there, and when you do slow down, it is kind of a reminder. So thank you, Jacob, for that. We're going to go right to lines. Judy is next. Hi, Judy. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. How can we help you this morning on the Lawn and Garden Journal? Uh, my hydrange didn't bloom this year. Oh, I, I, I fertilized it. I put, uh, I don't know if I, like I put uh, Miracle Grow in. Like if I gave it that a few times. Okay. Like it's nice and healthy, but it didn't grow, it didn't bloom. Yeah, you're not alone on that. We've had quite a few people that have mentioned that their hydrangeas have not blossomed this year. Oh. Um I actually was stopped yesterday uh, just outside the, the building. I was out on a call, and someone had come up, and I could see them waiting at the front door, and I thought, okay, they want to talk to me. And they're like, they see we have a beautiful uh, hydrangea right at our front door. It's the uh, vanilla strawberry. It's so striking right now. But they came up, and they said, how do you get this to bloom when I have ones in my yard that have not even shown any indication of creating a blossom? Yeah. Well... Um, this one hydrangea that we have is lucky that when we do irrigation on our areas, even though we're not watering that garden, there is a slope to our property that gets that moisture. I think that's why it's doing so well. Mm-hmm. Though, I think because the ground was so dry, the normal blossoms we get are usually 10 to 12 inches in length. And these ones are actually 6, 7 inches, so they're half the size that we normally so already an indicator to me is like, yeah, our ground water when we're watering here is going downward because it is so dry. So, again, the dryness could be a factor that's on it. Okay. And um, has it bloomed in the past, and how old is it? Um, it, it bloomed last year, but it didn't have a lot. But um, I don't know, maybe about five years old. Five years old, yeah. And it could be a repeat pattern because last year we were also in a little bit of a, uh, I think we were in a pre-drought condition and this year we're definitely in a deep drought. Right. So I wouldn't be concerned if it was lush and green. Yeah, you still well, it's ha- beautiful. Like it's really big and full. 
Yeah. I would not be too concerned this year. Okay. Um, because A, if you didn't have any blossoms and you found that your trees were in a state of shock, that they were failing or weakening, then I would say that you have something to be concerned about. But going forward next year, um, the number one key, and I know that uh, Jacob reminded us that winter is going to be coming very fast, right. is the key to the success of a lot of our trees and shrubs going through. And this is going to be a clear indicator that if we do not get moist, natural moisture into our ground, that uh, our trees are going to be a little bit more stressed next year right so if there's a resource that you can get extra moisture on your trees and shrubs prior to winter uh that is key and i know some areas are very very dry there's restrictions on certain areas and uh for watering so let's just hope that uh october brings us that moisture that we need to put into the ground okay i have another question sure um uh, when you plant your garlic bulbs, um, can you, like in the fall, you you pull them out, right? Well, the the have you got existing garlic that's has been growing right now? Uh, well, I, I pulled the bulbs out, but then I I dug the dirt up, and there's a whole bunch of little wee bulbs. Yeah, if there's the bulbets or the little offsets that you can either get a bulbet or the the bulb sets, but usually if you get your cloves, you actually have to lift those to split them, right? Yep. So if you have remnant ones that have broken off that are still there, chances are you probably will get a growth off of those. Off of those little bulbets? Uh, if it was part of the initial clove, you could be. If it was, if it was, um, sometimes the, the, the flowering sometimes you'll get like almost like on lilies where you'll get the little uh, seedlets that go on to the the top of the vein if they drop in there they oh. will produce but they'll be a little bit smaller okay because okay. i just left those little wee bulbs in there like now to see what happens next year i'd say go for it thumbs up let's see if it grows and <laughs> see what it does yeah because there was lots lots of them yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah. there's a lot of people that said they had really good garlic yeah uh, crops this year and uh i just remember when i met my husband uh i I don't know if you heard before the first uh date to meet the grandmother out at portage prairie was an early one and lo and behold i didn't know that actually when i was going out to meet her that i'd be digging potatoes all day but she was also the one that introduced me to braided garlic so um you know what it's a good thing because uh my husband is a good cook and i love garlic yeah So it's an adventure, and it is a trial, and it's a test. So anytime that you can grow something and you can create something that's off of that you can eat or enjoy or see the beauty of it, I'm I'm all in. Right. Okay. Okay, thanks. You're welcome, Judy. Okay, bye. Okay, all right, enjoy the day. It is that factor that's in there. And I have to say that when we start getting into the regime, there is a fall regime, and uh, applying moisture is key to it. And the way that I basically equate to people is, um, here's a sort of a, 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 I guess the same scenario, is if I wanted to over uh, collect some of the basil that I have beautiful in my garden, and yes, if you have basil in your garden, there is going to be a time frame where, it will not survive any type of frost or coolness as 
at all. So it might be the good time that if we have warm weather, we're out there harvesting and pulling in some of those herbs that will not take those cooler temperatures. Basil is one. And take your basil, chop them up, put them in ice cube trays, fill them up with some moisture and make basil ice cubes. You can then put them in a bag and when you're ready to make that fresh fresh pesto or sauce that you want, you're basically taking out some ice cubes that have basil locked in it, throwing it into your recipe and you have beautiful fresh frozen basil. Now, it's the same thing with our roots that are underneath. Mind you, we're not going to eat the roots off of our trees, but we're locking our roots in moisture to keep that sustained state that's on it. And it, it doesn't freeze as much as the cold air that's above. It's giving it that winter hardiness locked in that the roots are going to sustain. There's moisture. And when that moisture is then thawed in the spring, it gives the trees the energy to draw up that moisture to get it back in there. So that's one of the tasks that we're going to do. Because I know that some of the gals here that have a day off, they're telling us, I have a beautiful day off today. I'm going to start my regime of putting maybe things slowly into winter mode is by doing a little bit of cleanup. And I have to giggle because coming in here, I do have, um, we talked to Henry. Henry, I'm still amazed of how many cats that you have out there. But I have a cat here. Her name is Pepper. I call her my cat dog because when I get here early in the morning, she's usually running behind me to check out the buildings and check things out. Yep, she's just like my dog at home. She's right beside me. And I have to say, we know it's fall, and the clear indicator to me is not the, the yes, it's the trees and the shrubs that are turning into this beautiful orange and gold and red tones. But it's also the point where I walk into my office in the morning where I know Pepper, the voles are out there. They're starting to harvest around the outside of the building. And when I know that she's walking around bringing me a present and sort of meowing as she's going, she's doing her duty and she's telling me, hey, we need to get things going outside, cleaning things up because the voles are out there. So that's a whole nother conversation of what to do in the garden and how to proceed and cleaning things up. So if we start by looking at it, and it's a starting by assessing plants too as well. What needs to be done? What can we do at the beginning of it for cleaning up? And it's basically, I'm planting, I'm transplanting, I'm lifting, I'm dividing, I'm cleaning things up, I'm trimming down some plants at this time of the year. And what do I need to prevent? Maybe, okay, we have to talk about the bugs. We talked about the voles, but there's also bugs and diseases that can be uh, preventative measures that can be done to encourage healthy growth. Now, with the voles, yeah, we know that the lawnmowers are not going away. Not yet, because the grass is still growing. And you notice that even with the coolness of the weather, even though we're dry now and we've had a little bit of rain, you see that lushness of the green coming. And you have to also remember that with temperature, high temperature, and then that coolness in the morning, it pro- it produces that dewy effect that's on the lawn that helps to give a little bit of moisture down so that we get that greenness effect. But we want to make sure too also that our lawns 
are being maintained so that the voles are not running in between because they too are preparing for winter. They're getting things going. We're talking about starting uh, sort of the regime of our fall enterprise of gardening. Now, there were a few questions that came through on the Lawn and Garden Journal, and there's a few that are left on my desk as well, about transplanting and planting trees and shrubs. We know that the fall is a good time to have that secondary gardening season. And the purpose of planting in the fall, along with our tulips and our bulbs, and yes, the beautiful allium bulbs, is to get a season ahead of growth. So it's an easy way of doing it because we remember our ground is very warm. And then when we do get that insulating factor, the ground is warm and everything nestles in beautifully. So let's go to the lines. Rosemary is waiting. Hello, Rosemary. Yes, hello. How are you this morning? How how are you this morning? I'm well. Thank you very much for asking. How can we help you on the Lawn and Garden Journal? Uh, well, I just had a had a comment about morning glories. I okay. love morning glories. My mother all used to love morning glories, and this little incident happened a long time ago now. But um, she had had morning glories in the same place for many years, and she had passed away. And the place where she planted them had done, stood dormant for about um, oh about fifteen years, sixteen years. We decided we were having a farm farewell, and we dug up that little garden and planted. We're going to plant some other things into it. Lo and behold, um, a morning glory, two or three morning glories came up after all those years sitting dormant. Wow, that <laughs> you know what that was just. I think someone was. I don't know if I believe in signs, but that is kind of a little bit of a. Hi, I'm still here, and there is the energy that's in there. And you bring out a really good point, too, because in this scenario, we know that um, seeds themselves, if they are planted too deep, they stay dormant. They will not uh, produce. So that's a lot of times when, uh, first thing in the spring, when we say the size of the seed sort of matters because, in essence, if I have a tiny seed, and we know that some seeds look like the speck that has been hidden by uh, by the sharpest pencil, tiny, tiny, we don't need to bury them. No, we don't need to go under the soil. We leave them at the top of the soil. So morning glory seeds are quite large. They're not huge, but they're large. But yes, once they're given a little bit of, they may be, had be even stirred up to the top inch or two of the soil, given that extra moisture and that extra warmth to regenerate. That's also mm-hmm. to, um, this This brings to mind too, uh, a lot of times when we're overseeding uh, lawns, some people have a tendency to sort of say, okay, I'm going to put some topsoil that's on there. But we have to remember some of the top soils that are in there also are um, scraped from fields that have been there for a while. So there could be some dormant seeds that are on there. So where it's always mm-hmm. an indicator that we're, when we're adding new soil to gardens and we're adding new mixes to gardens, um, you may have a chance of getting some weed seed too. So there's maintenance on that as well. But I mm-hmm. love your, I love your story. So did they, <laughs> yeah. did they bloom? Yeah. Well, actually, I'm not sure if they did because I wasn't there for some little time, you know, in the, yeah. they should have been blooming. This was in, it was in, 
in mid-June, I guess it was, that we would have been digging this up. And, I mean, it had been dormant. It was in a very dry spot, a dry planter that was on the south side of the house. And, and it, it would have been very dry over all those years because it had never been dug up or anything in all those years. Um, and so we just dug it up and we were going to plant some plant. We weren't planning on putting morning glories in there, because we, but we just thought we would dig it up and put some flowers in that planter. And lo and behold, the next time we came here, there were there were morning glories were up. We just couldn't believe it after all those years. <laughs> oh, that you know what? That is a beautiful story. That is, and you know what? The energy it also tells us, um, you know, the power of something little, right? It's like this <laughs> tiny little seed that's just set, and the years uh-huh. there's there's power, there's energy, and not only that, it gave something to us right and i'm i'm mm-hmm. happy to hear that it gave you your memories it gave you a smile and it probably gave you the the this wondrous feeling like wow look what happened yeah, so, exactly yeah that's yeah, so, beautiful yeah, story yeah, so i'm i'm calling from i'm calling from minadosa incidentally <laughs> oh well hello minadosa i uh i have some uh, fel- uh sort of extended family relatives out there so it's a great little town so hello that minadosa is- yeah, it is. Okay, thank you very much. I just wanted to make that comment. I thought it was an interesting thing. So when we Oh, were it was. It, so. Beautiful story. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Okay, then bye-bye. Bye-bye. And you know what? That is a, a that's that's the wonder of gardening. It's beautiful. It's sharing stories, it's having coffee together and creating this happy feeling about plants. Let's go right back to the lines. Carol is waiting. Hi, Carol. Hi there. I have Hi. um I have a little question. It's kind of related to the information you just uh, passed on about the basil. Yes. Okay, I have this beautiful mint, and I like using it in uh, in water and other uh, beverages. Mm-hmm. Now, it's great during the summer, but how can I preserve it so I can make this in the wintertime? Well, if it's with drinks, um, I've mean- never tried mint in... Uh, water ice cubes and that kind of stuff that's in there because usually when you're putting into a mint like a mint into a drink it's usually the maybe i've got it wrong but it's usually the nice clean crisp look of the leaf that adds to that look right so whereas if i'm using the basil it is going to go darker in color and it's going to be kind of mushy but i don't mind that being in my mixed blend of sauces right correct correct so um with the mint, it might be a little bit more difficult that's on there. Uh, unless, you know, usually mint, growing mint indoors usually doesn't work well either because no. it likes to be grown outdoors. That one I've never tried, but maybe some of our listeners have some ideas that are out there. And I don't recommend freeze-dried because then it just looks like you've got, you know, oregano, dried oregano on Right, drinks. right. But it's... Yeah. Yeah, I wish I could help you on that one. Okay, I've been really wondering about that because it's so pretty. It is. With um, lemon or lime slices, you know? Yes. And the water is so tasty. Oh, I know. You know what? Whenever you add that to uh, any type of drink, it just refreshes. Mm-hmm. And there are some, you know, sometimes I've been watching some shows where it says adding citrus to water is actually has some beneficial properties that are to it. So, hey. If anyone is listening out there, have you had success with mint? Let's put the question out there. Maybe Carol will get some people asking for us. That'd be lovely. Yeah, Thank lovely. you so much for your program. Oh, and, you're very uh, welcome. And your poetry. 
Oh, yes. Highly appreciate it. Okay. And uh, have a wonderful day. You too. And you know what? It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful weekend, and it looks like the week ahead too as well, so we got to take advantage of it. We certainly do. Thank you. Okay. okay. Enjoy your day. Bye-bye. It's just, there's a, like here, we're calling on, you know, if I put like a little trumpet over my mouth and going, calling all friends. Have you ever done the mint or calling all friends? I love hearing your stories about gardening too, and it's a great thing to be able to share. Let's go right back to lines. Hi, Joyce. You're next. Hi. Hi. How can we help? And you know what? I keep forgetting to ask everyone where they're from. Where are you calling from? McGregor. McGregor. Well, hello. Good morning, McGregor. How can we help you this morning? Um, I have a couple of evergreen trees that are growing out in the front yard, and I've noticed that the pine needles are turning sort of a rusty color about a third of the way out from the trunk along the branch. And I was just wondering whether that was from dryness or something else. Okay. How old are your trees? They're about 25 years old now. Okay. 25. Okay. So the reason I ask that is because naturally evergreens will lose a percentage of their needles. Anyway, they usually lose the ones that are closer to the trunk that's on there. Uh, When we hit a certain age, sometimes the evergreens, uh, spruce trees could be... um, affected by a disease that's called cytospora disease that's out there so if you can look at the main trunk to see if you see any weeping of sap or any uh, oozing coming from the trunk i would probably take a look at that Um, sometimes you can get rust that could cause a rusting effector so if you could take a sampling of some of those needles or branches or a segment of maybe a dying portion of it to some of the garden centers that can maybe maybe help to assess some of that that's on it. Um, prevention of diseases on there is trying to encourage the vigor and health of our plants. And again, it could be just natural stress too as well. Uh, we can see that there could be natural dieback from the lack of moisture because spruce are heavy, heavy feeders for taking up that moisture that's on it. They like moisture they don't like sitting in moisture they like well drained but they will soak up as much as you can right and that's a clear indicator now the area around it if i was going to say if i looked at the grass or the lawn around it you'll probably see that it was sort of just it looks like that moisture has been sucked away from from those areas and your grass will get very brittle around that you know that's an indicator that it's trying to just send all its feeders out there to say, uh-uh, I'm taking all that moisture. Okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, A, look for any signs along the main trunk, and it may be a third of the way up the tree that you start to see this. Okay. If not, I would probably investigate further. But uh, if you've never seen it before and it's indicated of this year and there's no signs of seeping or weeping from the branches, it could be... Uh, just the added stress of the year okay okay Mm -hmm. yeah but make sure moisture is key put some moisture on those trees because a 25 year old evergreen spruce tree is beautiful right right i've I've got two of them in the front yard and i've got three in the backyard but it's just the two in the front that are that are showing this and one in particular so okay and are you watering um i have but probably not enough (laughs) yeah yeah um 
And it depends, too. Like, if you're looking at the front yard versus the back, backyard, it's, it seems like it's in my yard, but it should be, act, be, be acting the same. Yeah. But it depends uh, on, like, if you're watering, slope, mm-hmm. grade, how dry area is in, how fast it's going in, planting close to foundations. Right. Or, or if you have a swale that's slightly sloped and the water runs that way, they're, they're going to get more moisture that way if you have overland running of moisture that way, you know. Mm-hmm. So looking at your property is kind of looking at where you get sloped or even drainage off of your eaves trough if you had rain, which way is the downspout facing to feed certain plants, right? Right, right. That extra moisture, mm-hmm. right? And I must say, make sure whenever you're planting... Thank you for this, because every time, uh, not every time, but most of the time when some people say, I'd like to plant a tree, I like to say, which kind of tree is it? Where are you placing it? Because downspouts and sump hoses, people think that they can use that as their benefit to water their trees and shrubs. Right. But the downspouts, yeah, yeah, I can see that. But if you plant a Manchurian ash or a Japanese tree lilac right in front of a downspout and you get a season of heavy rain. Yeah, you're going to drown them. <laughs> you're going to drown. I like you. You know that answer. <laughs> yes. You're going to drown them. Mm-hmm. And never, never plant a tree in a swale, like a, a, a swale unless it's a birch tree. Right. 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 So knowing the capacity of how how the plant grows, what it likes, you know, and even evergreens, they like, uh, I, you know, I thought of my dad liking to go down to, to watch uh, baseball in L.A., like the pitcher's mound, right? Mm-hmm. You, you always plant your cedars and your, your spruce trees on a pitcher mound and let them self-settle, right? Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, so I hope I gave you a few clues mm-hmm. as to what may uh, be affecting your trees. Okay? okay, yeah, yeah, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Right. Okay, Bye. bye-bye. So much to talk about. We can't even, we have to keep going with the calls. Hey, Glenn, you're next. Good morning. Oh, good morning, uh, Carla. Um, how are you? I'm very well, and yourself? You're, I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, good. I have a question about hostas. Um, is it uh, too late in the season to divide them? No, it's perfect time right now. It's good, eh? Yep. You can lift, you can divide. This is our second gardening season. We can be lifting, dividing. And uh, if it's a portion of it that you're wanting to lift, split and divide. And see it, plant it somewhere else, yeah. Yes, you can plant. But just remember, uh, again, little tips for transplanting, especially hostas, because even like in the spring, I always like to sort of decide where I'm going to plant that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pre-dig my hole so that there's less stress in leaving, like planting it and leaving it out while I do my other portion of my work. So dig your area first where you want that transplant to go. So I see less in the time between um, between transferring it. Eh? Yes, less exposure, less you know, mm-hmm. less stress. Okay. And uh, make sure that hole has uh, striated. If we, if we're using a nice smooth spade, we want to make sure that it's not like a soup bowl. Mm-hmm. We want to cut some lines in there so the roots are going to be able to radiate outward. That's assuming that you're in a clay-based soil. If you're in a nice light soil, that that wouldn't be a factor. Uh, Water the hole at least twice and let it drain out so that the Mm -hmm. bowl or the new reservoir has been well-drained and put through. And if you have any type of uh, bone meal or root rescue, 
that you can throw in the bottom of the hole bef- prior to transplanting. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's a good stimulant, Glenn, to to say, okay, we don't want you in active, active, full growth, but we want you to start your root development. I see. Okay, thank you. I have another question, though. Can you take another yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah. I have um, monks hood that's um, at least two years rooted already, and they're not flowering, and they're facing the south side um, of the house. Okay, monks hood. All right, south side of the house, that's Aconitum. Um, is it the tall Naples purple variety that you have? Um, I, I don't know what variety it is, but it's a dark blue one. Yes, okay, it's probably that. Okay, when your monks hood is growing... Um, just double check because they're notorious for getting worms in the bud set. Mm-hmm. And you will see that when uh, they start to grow. And when you get close to the emergent, because the the Aconitum napolis usually grows about four to six feet tall. So it depends on which one you're, you've oh, got. Yeah, this one is about um, two feet high. And oh, two feet? Oh, it should. If it's the old purple variety, it should right. get taller. Yeah, it should get taller. Oh, I see, I see. It has little curls at the top. I don't know if they're little flower buds or if they're little leaves that's trying to open up. Tiny little curls at the tip of the shoots. Okay. I don't know if it's flowers starting to form or if it's just new leaves. But, but okay, the indicator that when it's curled and it looks like this little cluster of cold, almost like a rosette of leaves, yeah, leaves that are clustered like a tight bud. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want you to, um, okay, you can either open it or uh, my kids used to be grossed out when I, or yeah, if they, they would kind of like, yuck, mom, why are you doing that? I would show them that don't open it, just smush that <laughs> and you'll hear a pop. It's a worm. You know, my son used to pop them, whereas my, you know, I would open it up or cut it open and I would find the tiniest little worm that's sitting in there and he's actually eating your flower bed set. I see. Okay. Okay. So if that, if that's the case, um, a little bit of insecticidal soap or, Mm -hmm. uh, in, or, um, you can use diatomaceous earth for Mm -hmm. the worm set that's in there. Okay. Okay. Well, I could, I could check it out. Yep. I think my suspicions is that because as soon as you, you're, Monkshood gets there, it's gone. Okay? Right. Okay. okay. All right. Thank, Thank you. Bye bye. Please have a great weekend. It's good to be in the garden this weekend. We'll be back on the London Garden Journal next Saturday. Bye bye, everybody.